You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big Noon Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. Here's Lars and Matt. All right, middle of the week. Let's dive in. Matt, Lars, and a really good lineup of guests. Todd Jones, uh, longtime major leaguer, now living in Pell City, played at Jack State, uh, an all-star in 2000. He'll join us in just a few minutes, talk about last night and his career, uh, which uh, there are a couple of incidents, and one involving the all-star game that is just hysterical. We'll get to that. And then uh, our man, Lars, Tim Brando, will be joining us at uh, one fifteen next hour. So all our ducks are lined up in a row. It's just uh, it is our duty to get them in, get them on, and get information. How are you today? I'm doing terrific. Uh, pretty steamy outside. Just uh, got back from taking the dog from a walk. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, what you expect to July in Alabama. And also July in sports where, again, it's the slowest sports month of the year. And uh, one of the headlines that I, I found interesting was that uh, the Jets have been picked to be on hard knocks. And uh, it's a pretty obvious choice, I think, with uh, Aaron Rodgers moving to the Jets, your favorite player, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And um, and and uh, it, it, it looked as if it was down to the Jets, the Bears, the Saints, and the Washington Commanders. Um, but uh, but the thing is that uh, the Jets coach, Robert Saleh, uh, said that he didn't want his team to be featured on the show. And I don't know why any coach would want to be featured on the show, why any coach would want his team featured on the show, because it just is the, is a, well, the one thing the NFL coaches hate the most is distractions, right? Especially in training camp. And they have all those extra cameras, all the extra time it takes to do the interviews. Um, and I know the HBO, they do a good job of, uh, of sort of blending into the background and making the players feel comfortable, making the players, uh, feel like the cameras aren't even there, but yet they are there. And, uh, and it just, uh, I don't know. As a as a team on Hard Knocks, ever done really well that season? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, the Lions they were on Hard Knocks last season, uh, and uh, they actually had a pretty good turnaround season. And a lot of uh, a lot of people are picking the Lions to be the surprise team of the NFC this year. I don't know if I'd go that far. And then uh, there was an in-season edition of Hard Knocks. You'll remember last season with the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, that just absolutely uh, blew up. But uh, what, 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 do you, what do you think? Are, are you a Hard Knocks fan? I was when it first came out. But it seems like every year the storylines are kind of the same. You got the, you got the free agent long shot. 
you know, you, you got a, a feel good story. You got the veteran hanging on for one last shot at glory. I mean, I almost could write down the story themes and the storylines that we're going to get before the actual shooting begins. Uh, because it's just a, it's a, it's a formula basically, right? That they use. And of course they'll follow, follow Aaron Rodgers around. Now will Aaron Rodgers talk to HBO? Who knows? I mean, he doesn't really talk Probably to anybody. Not. But Aaron Rodgers will have to do, uh, weekly press conferences, uh, that are mandatory for, uh, starting quarterbacks. I believe they're mandatory in the NFL. And, um, but, but, but again, are, are you, are you a hard knocks guy? No, not really. Um, haven't been for, uh, the many different additions that they've done. Um, the last chance I watched a little of that. Of course, that was uh, involving junior college, um, in Scuba, Mississippi. But uh, no, I'm not. I, I find the selection here, uh, surprising in the very least. First of all, you just say New York, you're going to get about, what, 10 million viewers? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And especially with the Jets this year with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the storylines are all there. Uh, It will not be destination or appointment television for me. Um, I am curious to see how Aaron Rodgers and the other moves that they've made, uh, picking up wide receivers uh, with the Jets is going to work out. But I'm I'm not going to DVR it or put it in my beta and try and tape it but yeah i mean it's, so. the, it's interesting like the the league's criteria for which teams are eligible for hard knocks is uh you, you can't be a first year head coach you can't have qualified for the playoffs the past two seasons and you can't have appeared on the show in the past 10 seasons so that left four possibilities for this year and okay. that, as i mentioned that was the jets the Bears, the Saints, and the Commanders. And it was just last month that uh, the Jets head coach, uh, Robert Soleil, like I said, he, he his, his quote was, I know there are several teams I would love for Hard Knocks to be in their building, but we're just not one of them. Well, guess what? <laughs> the league is who decides where Hard Knocks goes, not the head coach. And I, I, I believe that it's sort of a, a, a mandate and it's not a a question that they put to you. It's not a request. It is an order, uh, and uh, that's what we're that's what it's going to be on HBO this year. But like I said, they all kind of blend together to me uh, because the the storylines are so simple. But you make a great point. The new they're, it's going to captivate the New York market, right? Because this is a the Jets fans are immensely loyal and knowledgeable and there's a lot of them uh and uh this goes especially like in the outer boroughs right in in like in brooklyn uh in queens in staten island uh and then parts in, in a little bit of manhattan but most people who live in manhattan aren't from manhattan but uh, it goes back to, you know, when the, when the Jets played at, at, at Shea Stadium, uh, all of Long Island is, is Jets country. Giants territory tends to be uh, the Bronx uh, because of the, the old, old polo grounds uh, where the Giants used to play years and years ago. 
um, upstate New York, uh, sort of uh, Westchester County, uh, that part. So I, it will draw big ratings from the New York area. But I, for me, I, I have Aaron Rodgers fatigue. I really do. I, I don't know. You know, I know that you're a diehard Packers fan. What, what, do you think Packers fans will tune into this? Yeah, I think a few just to throw bricks at their television. Um, and I'm a Packers fan. I was never really a big Aaron Rodgers fan. He did get us one Super Bowl. We probably should have won three. But um, I will say this. Uh, I think if you ever did something akin to this in Alabama, it would go absolutely crazy. One more <clears throat> more of a rhetorical question. So somebody's got to be getting compensated for this. Is it the NFL as a whole and they distribute it with all the all the teams? Or do the Jets get a certain percentage of this? Because you know it's going to make money, and you know the NFL is not going to go without its share. So yeah. I, I think that. But um, back to the Alabama deal, because I want to get this in before we get to our first break of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. But um, there are a couple of reporters up in the Big Ten area that are suggesting that Tommy Rees might be considered for the Northwestern job, which was just vacated with the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, which um, I, I think in, um, you you know these guys, Adam Rittenberg uh, and the athletics Bruce Feldman. Um, they have men, and it's interesting how this worded, they've mentioned Rees as a name. So this is their opinion as uh, a name to watch as far as Northwestern's head coaching vacancy. Um I don't know uh, if they've uh, even got an ounce of uh, source to back this up. But Certainly, on yeah. July 12th, <laughs> with practice and freshmen coming in in two weeks, Tommy Rees were to leave, I think it would be a huge mistake. First of all, you're leaving Saban high and dry, and you just don't do that. Uh, but mainly, would you go there as your fed first head coaching job? to a program that is in total disarray. They went one in 10 and you've got to sort through all that BS before you even become a head coach. So I think this may be a case where the writers are just expressing an opinion. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that that is necessarily sourced. Um, I, I, I haven't read that story. Uh, I've read bits and pieces of it. I do know that uh, the, the dream candidate for the school is probably um, Mike, or Mike, now Mike Kafka, who is the offensive coordinator for the Giants. He's a former Northwestern quarterback. He, he grew up in Chicago. He's risen up really fast in the NFL ranks. Like I said, he's the offensive coordinator for the Giants. He interviewed for four NFL head coaching jobs this offseason. He wasn't offered any of those. And the timing would be a little bit better just because, well, I mean, it would be a blow to the Giants, no question. But the Giants do have Brian Dayball there, who, as we know here in Alabama, is a very good offensive mind himself. And he probably could step in and act as sort of play caller slash offensive coordinator for the uh for the Giants if they were to lose Kafka but that, that's what I, I really think Kafka is the guy that they are going to target initially but but you're you're right I mean it, I think it's going to take a Northwestern alum who wants to inherit that mess it's a team that went one and 
what, one in ten last year. Yeah. They've won four games in the last two or three years. They've been bad for a long time. Uh, you, you, you figure that about half the team is going to bolt via the transfer portal. And, um, in, in, in you're playing in an elite conference and it, it, you know, it would be like, you know, leaving the offensive coordinator job at Alabama to go become the head coach at Vanderbilt. Like, w- would you do that? Is, is that a, is that a good move for your career? It's knowing that for disaster. Yeah. I mean, just, just knowing that the offensive court, look at, look at all the former offensive coordinators at Alabama. And what they have gone on to. I mean, you know, just, uh, Dable himself becomes a head coach. And, uh, and, and, uh, um, look at, uh, uh, geez, the head coach of Texas. Uh, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Sarkeesian. Sark. Sark. Yeah. I mean, Sark is the head coach of Texas. I mean, if you want to become a head coach, be an offensive, uh, at, at an, either an elite college or in the NFL, the best launching pad in the country is to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama under Nick Saban. So I, I can't imagine that Tommy Reese would leave that chance to go to take over a, a program that is in utter disarray and uh, has bad facilities. And I know that, that they have uh, ideas to build a new football facility, but are those donors going to stick with the the school now that it is clouded and shrouded in this scandal last night the national league broke an 11-year drought they beat the american league by a score three to two in the annual midsummer classic we'll talk with todd jones who spent better than a decade in the bigs when we get back from t-town to the plains this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. At the- Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 94. Tonight's low, 74. Similar weather tomorrow, partly sunny, scattered showers and storms. Storms by afternoon, the high also 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Big News Sports. I'm Matt Coulter, along with longtime sports writer and author Lars Anderson, and joined now by former major leaguer, 16 years is my best count, um, all-star included on his resume, and, and a good friend for many, many years, dating back to the days when I was at Jocks and Rick and Bubba's studio was right next door to us. You'd be over there with Rick and Bubba, then you'd come over here and clown around with us, and it was a wonderful, wonderful time. I haven't caught up with Todd Jones in quite a while. Todd, how are you? 
What's up, Matt? How are you? Lars, how are you? Thanks for having me today. Doing Absolutely. great. Yeah, One, doing great. 100%. Go ahead, uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you just to, some quick observations on the All-Star game last night. And it was nice to have a guy from uh, Alabama close, although <laughs> Kimbrell didn't, uh, he didn't go. <laughs> it, it went with some uh, drama, didn't it? Well, yeah, but but you got you to gotta admit, 400 saves is a big number. And uh, he's been a durable, durable guy for a very, very long time. And he's had a great career, and it was good to, Good to watch the old timers get out there and do their thing because uh, JD Martinez, they said, was the starting left fielder for the Dodgers last night, and uh, he's the oldest All Star at 35. So wow. you can see a passing of the guard for sure in Major League Baseball. There's, they're definitely the youngsters have got the game in a good place moving forward. That's for sure. Todd, what do you think of the uh, pitch clock? Do you, do you, are you a fan of it? And how would you have utilized it to your benefit? Or is there a way that a pitcher can use it to his advantage? I like to pitch clock a lot. I'm a, I'm a broadcaster now for the, uh, for the Tigers. I do pre and post game um, for Valley, Valley, Detroit. And, uh, you know, it makes the, makes the pace of the game a lot faster. And uh, keeps the keeps the game moving. I never really realized how much kind of downtime there is in between, you know, pitches and things like that. Um, I think the thing, like the caveat for me as a as a pitcher, would be the throwovers to first base. I think you've got to really be careful after that first um, that first initial throwover that could really change the strategy. Uh, back from when I was I was doing my thing, but but uh, you know the guys are making nice adjustments. There's less and less violations now. Guys are getting used to it, and it and it just gives a better product out on the field and and for TV as well. Todd, I want to go back to 2000 and your appearance in the All Star Game. Is the statue of limitations over? Can you talk about that and what was written on your hand and? Uh, Rick and Bubba, because that to me is just one of the greatest stories ever. Tell us all about it. Well, I mean, um, so it was 2000. Uh, it was in Atlanta, and and I'm from Marietta, so it was a perfect you know scenario for me. Outside of Costin, uh, you know, I had to buy 45 tickets for family and things like that. But it was a it was a great time, and you know, you know, Rick and Bubba and I have had a special relationship since our days in college together. And when they started out in Gadsden, Alabama, we were we were kind of doing our same thing at the same time and got to be good friends. And uh, when I got to the All Star Game, when I you know I was talking on the show and you know I wanted to give them a shout out, so I just put uh, Rick and Bubba or R and B I think on my uh, on my hat during the game, and that was what that was kind of the tail end of when guys could express themselves without Major League Baseball getting money for it. So um, they kind of let that one let that one slide. It was out there during the during the home run derby and the and the uh, and the workouts and things like that. So, um, but but they had a blast then. And but like coincidentally, they came over for the game and it and it was nice after the game. We got to hang out and 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 just to see their success now is is really really great. And uh, you know. It's, you know, we've we've been chums for a long time, and it was a it was a special night. It was my you know one of my biggest highlights, and you know we were able to share it together, so it was kind of cool. 
All right, I got maybe Rick and Bubba doctored this up, but seems like I remember. Maybe did you have it on your hand during intros? Uh, maybe that. Maybe I made that, or they put it in my. No, head. I wrote it out. I wrote it out on a. Uh, I wrote it out on a on a batting glove and kind of. I think well, no, it. on the intros. On the intros, might have been on a batting glove or something that I that I wrote on or something like that. But uh, you know, I was determined they were they were looking for their for their most influential shout out and out and uh up to that point i was i think i was uh i was the winner so um but that man you realize that was long that was a long time ago and but uh i had a great time man and and uh, had a had a nice career and stayed healthy and and uh grateful to do what i did and meet who i met and hang out with the people i hung out with so it was it was great to see plus i got to you know see the premiere of uh of talladega nights thanks to you and uh, you know those those moments sprinkle in your career. You know those those are those are things that you look back with uh, with great appreciation that you're allowed to you know be in be behind the velvet rope, so to speak, and and have a chance to do different things. So it's been great. Todd, you had such a uh, long and successful career, uh, 319 saves. Um, and you ended up retiring when you were 40 years old. What, how difficult was it to, to walk away? And, and when did you know that it was, it, it was time? Oh, I think for me, it was really easy because, um, physically I was having really, really tough transitioning from a night game into a day game. Um, and then, uh, you know, like family wise, you know, me and my wife had been, she, we met in college at Jacksonville State and, uh, she had been, she was, she was what Drake likes to call a day one. And, uh, we've been together ever since. So, um, you know, we, uh, she was, she was ready to go. And, you know, I had, I was lucky because I got to play absolutely as long as I wanted to. And, and, and I knew that if I tried to, you know, squeak out another year or something I would just embarrass myself so I just decided to go home and uh, thankful thankful that I had a chance because a lot of players don't get the opportunity to you know have a chance to play as long as I did and I and I understand that but but you know some guys they don't get to go out on their own terms and I was very grateful to have a chance to do that but the key to that was uh, knowing when to leave because as an athlete sometimes guys think they can just reinvent a new pitch or come up with a new way to hit or if you're a position player you know change your feet get better jumps things like that and you know the general manager for the Tigers at the time is a guy named Dave Dombrowski and he's the GM in Philly now and he he told me when players careers are over the players are the last people to realize it because our whole life we've been told that you know, we're no good and we can't play and we would just reinvent ourselves and figure a way out. But when it's over, you know, the player's the last person to know. And, uh, you know, because we're hard headed and things like that. So, but I, I, I took that advice and I, and I went ahead and ducked out and it was, uh, it was a perfect time for me to be home with my, with my, with my kids and, and, uh, you know, have a chance to, you know, to pour into them and just, uh, you know, take it easy for a minute. And, and just uh, as a follow-up there, um, 
when you uh, sort of on the other side, right? When you were just getting started, uh, little league baseball. I, I have an eight year old who just he he's obsessed with baseball, loves baseball, can't get enough of playing baseball. Um, what advice would you give him and other young kids who want to follow your path and make it to the to the majors? And also, when did you realize that you had a special gift? So those are those are great questions. The first, the last one first. Uh, I didn't realize I really had something to work with until I got into uh, pro ball because I had such a hard time throwing strikes. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to harness what I had. And then um, as my career went, I learned how to throw strikes, and then I was able to do some things other guys couldn't do. But if your son's an eight-year-old, and everybody may want to turn off the radio when I say this, but I think up until you're 13 or 14 years old, you should play all the sports. You should play football, basketball, and baseball because that that requires you to build, uh, to be athletic, right? I mean, because you're working on your athletic skills when you're playing football, when you're playing basketball, when you're playing baseball. And then as you get into high school, you get into eighth, ninth, even 10th grade, you know, the sports start talking back to you. Meaning that, um, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna feel more natural at one of the sports and, and, you know, some things are gonna be a little bit easier for you. You're not going to dread practice. You're not going to be intimidated by the work that it, that it, that it takes. And I think that, um, you know, you want to keep all your options open and it's hard these days, you know, because a lot of, a lot of parents, and a lot of kids, you know, feel like they have to do one sport year round. And, you know, you have to realize that those, those players that are like, like, like at the elite levels, um, you know, those, you know, that's a little bit of a different discussion. But if you're just a little kid, man, and you're eight years old and you're just, you're just having fun, you want to keep an eye on your, on your, on your son or your daughter as a player. And their body language and their uh, getting excited about practice and they're getting excited about game, that's going to talk to you as a parent. And that's going to tell you when, hey, maybe I'm pushing my kids too hard or maybe they're not having fun. And, you know, nobody, no parent wants to admit it, but, you know, there's a lot of, you know, parents that sometimes get caught up in, you know, either giving their kids the best opportunity and playing year round, give people the best opportunities. Or, you know, some of the other parents might try to live through their kids and things like that. And it's all an individual thing, and there's nothing wrong with it. It just, you know, you just want to keep an eye on your kid. Because if your kid's not having any fun, it doesn't matter how good he is. He's not going to do the extra work. He's not going to, you know, totally dedicate his, you know, his life to, to trying to, you know, chase a dream and uh you know i see it in i see it in pro ball all the time i was a i was a coach in the minor leagues and now i'm now i'm broadcasting i'm seeing guys that are second and third round picks and they just get the double a AA or triple a and they struggle and they've never struggled they 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 sit in the middle of the order at vanderbilt or they or they sit in the middle of the order at university of florida and they and then they come to pro ball and they're sitting on a backfield and they're seeing 100 miles an hour at their 
base and then on the corner and you've got to try to make adjustments and some guys don't know how to do that so it's not just you know everybody you know somebody uh at a young guy gets challenged and doesn't want to do it anymore i've seen guys in pro ball they get all the way to pro ball and they just they just they they can't make the adjustment so you just gotta it's a case by case and everything so you know you just gotta pay attention to what your kids say body language wise Wow, what well, great like advice, Matt. That last, yeah, I want to take that quote and print it out and hand it to every little league parent in the world. Because uh, well, I mean, you know, listen, we all we all want to do what's best for our kids. We all want to set our kids up to do better than we did, right? We all want to, and there's a lot of people that think, you know, if if I do this fall camp or I or I play this fall instructional league or I you know, go get these extra reps at seven on seven, or I go play this AAU basketball. It's going to help my son. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, scumbags on the other side that take advantage of that and that uh, prey on parents that don't really know everything because they're, you know, mechanical engineers or they're, or, you know, sports just isn't their jam or they don't know, they don't know how to weed through the noise to help their help their kids and it's a it's a bad thing but you know it's like the nil in college there's really no way to no way to fix it you just got to kind of deal with it then and but if you stay connected to your kids i think this is this might be the biggest key if parents stay connected to their kids and listen to them and look at them and and you know you occasionally ask them hey you want to go hit extra or hey you want to go run some routes and I'll throw you some football. Like, like if they are not interested in it, you know, those might be signs that, you know, maybe you need to go play another sport or maybe you need to just take a take a week or two months off and just let your body heal. But, you know, it's a crazy time, man. It's just a, it's, it's a tough world being a parent because of social media and all this stuff and everybody's comparing and things like that. You just got to you just got to stay tethered to your family and 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 just pay attention to them. Former Major Leader Todd Jones is with us for just a couple more minutes. Uh, when you were drafted, you went to Houston, you got the call up. What was your big league wake-up moment when you stood there on the bump and you went, wow, I'm really here? Yeah, my uh, that, that's, a, that's an easy question. Um, my rookie year in San Francisco, and I had to face Barry Lamar Bond. And I, and I realized for... For 30 seconds of his life, he has to give me his undivided attention. And I thought that was so cool because, like, he knew. He knew what little information there was back then on me. Like, like he knew that. He had put that in his head. And he was standing in that box, and he was paying attention to me. And I thought that was, that, like, that's something I'll, it's almost out of body. That's something I'll never forget. You know, that's the first, like, I guess real like superstar that I had a chance to, you know, like like spar with, you know, like like just kind of I'm on the rubber and he's in the box and I'm paying attention and he's paying attention to me and I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Todd, when you were in the majors, um, I, it, I, it's no secret that you weren't throwing a hundred mile an hour fastball, right? Um, and, and you just were constantly keeping uh, hitters off balance. For you, was it was it almost as cerebral a game 
like a, a mental one-on-one with the hitter as much as it was physical? I mean, early in my career, I was I was pretty physical. I was able to, you know, I could I could rush the ball up there pretty good because I couldn't throw strikes. So I would spray everything and always behind in the count and all and couldn't command my breaking ball and things like that. So everything was a challenge. But I had enough like uh, I had enough stuff to keep hitters honest, and and I was able to succeed early in my career more on stuff than on feel and on command. And as my as my stuff went away when I got into my 30s and into my late 30s, my command and my location and my comprehension of of a hitter's swing and what he's trying to do to me and situations and things like that, I started to really pay attention. So I was able to kind of maintain. And like you can go back and look at my numbers early in my career, there was there was a few more strikeouts than there was the last three years of my career. I had I had more saves than strikeouts. And I was, uh, you know, I was a different person, you know, athletically and pitching wise because I was old. But, uh, you know, I still had command of a fastball that was that was enough to keep guys honest. And I was able to mix and match and get my outs back and forth and, and you know, things like change leagues. Right. And, uh, you know, things like that. So um, so I was a, I like I kind of feel like I was a combination of both. And, and listen, if if our generation would have had driveline, we would have had all the technology. We would have been able to you know, do the same thing that these guys are doing now. It's not like, but these guys are, they're just so much, they're just so much bigger and stronger because of the, of the technical advances that, that the game has, has enjoyed. Um, and, and, and things like that. And, and, you know, you're right. I mean, mid, mid nineties, which is what I was pretty much throwing when I was playing is kind of uh you know routine these days and then 97 to 100 is doesn't even get your name in the paper and uh so i mean everything is kind of turned up and but it's but it's still baseball i mean you still have to make plays you still have to make pitches you still have to play defense you still got to hit and uh you know what you see in the home run derbies and what you see in the all-star game and 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 really like ultimately what the Braves are doing are 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 just amazing it 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 does take and i'm and i'm rambling and i'm sorry it does take um much more of a complete baseball team to be a championship baseball team nowadays than it than i think it did when i was playing because there's so much more emphasis on every single pitch and every inning and every body on the bench and matchups and situations there's so much more emphasis on that today that it takes more to put together a championship team. And the Braves, along with others, but the Braves, the Texas Rangers, um, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays, um, you know, there's a, there's a handful of teams that when you look up and down their rosters, and you see the all, all-star game last night, you see the Braves had, what, four starters, and the Rangers had five or six. Um, you know, it's it's just a remarkable day and age when Ronald Acuna Jr. is 23 years old and he's one of the premier players in the game. He's headed up there with Trout and, and Otani is the most exciting. And, uh, you know, it's just – and the game's just in a great place and it's, and it's nice to see. So, 
Um, you know, there's there's a lot of nuances and things that have changed, but it's still baseball. Nothing's like the pitch it and throw it and catch it is never going to change. Final question for you, Todd. Uh, are there a few, uh, what couple of picture pitchers would you pay to watch today? Who, who do you like watching pitch? Oh man, that's a good question. I would love to see uh, Shea Otani pitch to Shea Otani. So the question would be: <laughs> Would Shea Otani hit a home run every time off of Shea Otani, or would Shea Otani strike out Shea Otani every <laughs> single time? Wow, I'm going to have to think, think about that for a while. <laughs> I think he's such a wonderful mix of both. It's never been done before, uh, outside of maybe Babe Ruth, but but I still think when you're talking about, um, you know, the things that's required out of these guys today, um, he's a he's a special unicorn for sure. Um, I like I like watching Strider for the Braves throw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's running it up. He's a two pitch guy. He's a fastball curveball guy or a fastball slider guy. And his fastball is 99 at the upper part of the zone. His breaking ball is is you know 83 or four at the bottom part of the zone, and they and they look the exact same coming out of the hand. So uh, you know there's there's a lot of guys, but but uh, Otani for me is probably the 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 showstopper that I would I would pay to go see for sure. Todd. You may have said so, and I missed it. What happened in the at-bat with Lamar Bonds? Oh, thank you. I didn't mention it. I struck him out. <laughs> That's because you're But it was, just because it, it, was, it was just because I happened to just throw a change-up that, like, I could never repeat again, and it was just everything worked out, and he didn't know I had it, and he swung he swung through it. It's not like I, you know... I wouldn't want to have to ever make my living off any of those guys for sure, but uh, but the first time I ever faced him, I I had the chance and, and I and I struck him out. So, um, you know that was a that was a nice thing, but it was just because he didn't know I had a change up. Yeah, but he did next time. Uh, right. All right, Todd. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, appreciate it, and we don't need to let. Then go without another sip of water because uh, you've been fantastic. We appreciate it. Continue success Thanks, with uh, the Detroit Tigers. And good talking to you, man. Thanks, dude. Thanks, guys. You guys have a good day. Take care. Thank, See ya. Thank uh, you, Todd. Good that was Todd great. Jones. Yeah, well, he's he's just a great man. Um, and you can hear it. He didn't even tell us he struck out. I had to ask. All right. Uh, when we get back. Uh, SEC Media Days. Uh, I got a couple questions for Lars when we get back. So, hang on. Speaking of sports, presented by Haley Stancing, Union Home Mortgage. From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. 
You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Yori, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Back on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Good stuff with Todd Jones. I'm Lars Anderson. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, I love the advice that he gave to parents like me who have sons and daughters who are uh, young and, and just starting in athletics. And I've heard this from so many coaches at the top levels of the sport and and uh, and also players at the top level of different sports is don't specialize. Don't have your child specialize in one sport and just focus on that one sport year round. It is so important at a young age, especially to um, just to to play as many sports as possible and become a well-rounded overall athlete and develop the skills it takes to flourish in football, develop the skills it takes to flourish in basketball, develop the skills it takes to flourish in baseball or whatever, or softball or soccer, uh, just uh, be as well-rounded as possible. And then Todd, he put it so eloquently. He said that it, the sport will speak to you and it will speak to the child because ultimately the kid, your, your child will know what sport to pursue because practices aren't a grind. Uh, they just enjoy everything about that particular sport. But I, I do think it's, it's so smart to hold off on doing that until, until your child is at least, you know, 14, 15 years old and then have them really or her 
commit year round to uh, the the sport of their choice. And uh, and you know uh, Bruce Arians, he hammered that home to me. Like he wants he wants guys to be good at you know bowling. He wants guys to be good at pool. <laughs> you know just everything that that hones your hand eye coordination, your athleticism, uh, your agility. You know just so many things and using different muscle groups and and so uh, I, I I that to me was uh, just again. And just some of the most pitch perfect spot on advice uh, to parents who have uh, their kids playing sports that I've ever heard. And uh, and hopefully, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully my, my kid and other kids will, will, will follow it because I do think it's a mistake to have your child specialize in one sport when they're seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. And uh, that ultimately will end up hurting your child in the long run, Matt. Yeah, and we had a guest on. It may have been Jim Case, um, the Jacksonville State retired baseball coach, that talked about particularly with baseball how expensive it is and how we're pricing young children uh, that you know don't have a whole lot of money out because bats are four hundred dollars helmets are two hundred dollars you got to have two batting gloves you you got to have all these pads and everything else and um and i was just so blessed in the environment i was raised in it was a green canvas bag um and it had three or four bats in it two of them were taped up we had three helmets you had to get your head in one of them um we had one set of catcher's gear one catcher's mitt um, and we went out for practice and practice and played every day. Um, my parents just kind of let me decide. If I wanted to play, I played. If I didn't, I didn't. And I, I ended up playing both until I was like 15, 16 years old. And, and, and I loved it a lot. We need to get a break. We went along with Todd. And, uh, that was okay. But let's take a break. When we come back, I will talk a little SEC Media Days with Lars Anderson as you continue to listen to Big News Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 94. Tonight's low, 74. Similar weather tomorrow, partly sunny, scattered showers and storms by afternoon. The high also 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in. Big Noon Sports. 
What will be the biggest storylines in Nashville at the SEC Media Days? That is, uh, I, I think we can kind of foresee what a, what a few of them are. And I, I think number one will be just right out of the gate. And that is, what is Greg Sankey going to say uh, when he opens up Media Days with the uh, traditional State of the SEC address? And um, I, I know that Greg has been working very hard on this because he knows that this is his big moment, that this is a time when there is so much uncertainty in college football and college football is looking for a leader. Uh, and uh, Greg Sankey is as positioned as well as anyone to really be the the de facto leader of the entire sport because he presides over the most important conference in the in in, in all of college football, and so uh, you know uh, when Mike Slive delivered his addresses, the former SEC commissioner who is just a, a dear friend of mine. Um, he always just had these, these wonderful quotes. You never knew what, what Mike was going to say, but, and he always got a lot of, of chuckles and he, he was such a great orator. And, uh, and, and he just, he, he had just a, a, a public speaker's sense of timing. And, uh, but I don't think Mike Slive, who I believe is really the, the father of the current playoff system. He's the father of college football playoffs. If it weren't for Greg Slive, there would be no, uh, Mike Slive, excuse me, uh, there would be no college football playoffs. But uh, I think that, that Sankey is gonna deliver a message about NIL, about conference realignment, about transfer portal, about all of the big issues in the sport that are currently unresolved and uh, about collectives and about uh, essentially free agency in college football. And, uh, and, you know, people all around the country are going to be watching this. And so I, I think that is, that is story, uh, number one. And that will be the, the lead story, uh, I think coming out of the first day of SEC media days. Matt, Matt, what do you think? Uh, what, what are you expecting Greg Sankey to, to discuss? Well, I know he'll discuss the topics you just mentioned, but what can he say? We don't have any boundaries. He can't create any boundaries. This all seems to be at the state and potentially, I guess, at the federal level. But what's it, does he have a new plan for it? I don't think he can institute it and talk about it next week in Nashville. Uh, I agree that he's got a lot of different issues to take on. But what, Lars, I'm not trying to be a smarty here. What can he do about it? What can he say about it? Well, th- th- that's, that's the thing. I, I don't know. I mean, but, but he, he's a far smarter man than I am. And you know that he's been thinking about it. And this is his bully pulpit. And, uh, this is the, this is his time. If, if he has an idea of an outline of what could be a solution, 
a potential solution, I think he is going to plant the seed of that uh, and of where to go moving forward through these uh, how to navigate through these unchartered waters. Uh, where, where, where are we heading? How can we address, uh, all of these problems that are, are plaguing the sport? Um, and are, maybe they aren't as, maybe the problems aren't as profound as, as, as we make them out to be. But, um, you know, I, I do think that Sankey is going to say something, not necessarily unveil like a detailed, you know, 12 point plan to save college football and all of college sports. But I do think that he may uh, be suggesting, hey, this is the road we need to go down, right? Because he has been involved in all these high-level meetings with uh, commissioners across the country, with uh, congressmen, with senators, uh, probably with officials from the White House, you know, just trying to see, is there a solution at the federal level? I personally don't think there is uh, because, it, it, as we've said, Congress is a reactive body, not a proactive body. And if, uh, it, you know, it, it usually takes something dramatic to happen for Congress to act and, and, and to get just the fact that you can't get college commissioners or, or athletic directors, maybe the maybe the. Look, maybe the answer is with the athletic directors. I, I don't know, but I do think, Matt, that that uh, that Greg is going to, I think, just offer perhaps his vision of a roadmap that could be followed. You know, maybe just uh, throw out a, 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 a launch a trial balloon on an idea and see how people react to it. I mean, that's certainly what I would do if I was in his position is I would talk to the smartest people I know uh, and get as many opinions as possible and then, you know, put forth just at least an idea because this really is the time because he is going to have every college football media member uh, either in attendance or paying great attention to every word he's saying. He's going to have every athletic director paying attention to what he's saying. He's going to have every college president paying attention to what he's saying. And so, again, this is his moment. This is his time. And uh, and so I, I really think we're going to see Greg deliver the goods. You know what the second topic will be? How to slow down Georgia football players? That thing has gotten out of control. I'm not. I'm not being candid about it. Uh, you got guys doing 93 and 45 zones, and 50 and 55 and 25. It's, it's absolutely off the charts. But uh, I know one guy will have an opinion on all of this, and then some. Is Tim Brando from Fox Sports? He'll be joining us next hour as we continue. We're at halftime on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Local church. Town Square Media Station. WTUG HD2 Northport. And W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
Sports and Coper Lars Anderson. Uh, shout out to Justin Jones, our new producer. I uh, appreciate all efforts as always. So, uh, continuing the conversation about SEC Media Days next week and what topics will be addressed. And Lars was uh, commenting that uh, he thought that uh, it might be the opportunity for Commissioner Greg Sankey to step up to the podium and address the major issues that concern us greatly about, yes, college football. I mean, that's the lead here in the South and the lead in the Southeastern Conference. But uh, this includes all sports and the transfer portal and NIL and how they are being used and I think really how they are being misused. Um, This is a big deal. And the problem is that uh, states have different laws. If we're going to depend on uh, something to be done at the federal level as, as far as legislation and, uh, you know, as far as trying to, you know, get the cats back in the corral, I just don't see it being done because, I mean, guys are making millions of dollars. Are you going to try and put boundaries on that? Um, I think one of the biggest things is, hey, uh, how do we get to the bottom of what's going on behind the scenes? and in fact, are coaches offering NIL money for people to get in the transfer portal? But it's just very, very difficult to uh, get the toothpaste back in the tube now that it's out. Uh, on on other notes, uh, I really wonder if um, what Nick Saban will say, if he's going to uh, go straight into this and address that issue. So, uh, and other issues, what else is he going to talk about? And, and then, you know what is interesting is that Lars and I have talked about SEC Media Days uh, and it's upcoming in Nashville, uh, but we're not talking about football. By the way, there are X's and O's. There's quarterbacks to be decided. So, I want to, I hope that it just doesn't turn into a let's find out what everybody's opinion on NIL is because everybody has an opinion, but nobody knows. So we'll see what happens next week. Uh, what is saving on Wednesday, Lars? Is that what I read? But what do you think he's going to say? Because he usually comes out and says something rather impactful when he addresses the media at SEC Media Day. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, Coach Saban is going to say, frankly. Um, you know, I'm sure he will address all of the big issues in, in the sport, but he has also said that he's done complaining about it. He's, he is uh, he is adapting uh, as 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 quickly as he can as he can to the uh, ever changing landscape. I mean, the 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 ground is is shifting beneath everybody's feet. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he, I, I, what will Nick Saban say on the big issues? Well, he's going to say uh, what he has been saying is that uh, we need guardrails with NIL. NIL has gotten out of control and uh, it has now uh, turned college football into uh, free agency. Uh, players, uh, it appears uh, in, in a lot of cases, uh, and, and frankly, I have no evidence of this, but this is what it appears is that they're going to the highest bidder. 
And, uh, you know, all things being equal, uh, everything else being equal, you, you go where the money is. It's not rocket science. And especially if you're looking at a, a, you know, a big pile of money and you're 17, 18 years old. Um, I, I do think an interesting storyline will be, uh, Kirby Smart. And, and, and will Kirby Smart, uh, address sort of head on all of the problems that have been going on at Georgia? Um, and it, it seems like, uh, that, you know, from, from afar, at least, um, it, it, it appears again, I know this is sort of, uh, simplifying a complex issue, but it, it appears that they just have constant issues off the field at Georgia, right? They, 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 on the field, they're great. We all know we get, we get that. I mean, this is a, this is a team that's loaded again. Uh, but you look at, uh, since they've won the national championship in January, five Georgia players have been arrested and four of them have been for reckless driving. Uh, two, two players were arrested for reckless driving, driving just last week. Um, one, uh, car related incident was, uh, Jalen Carter, his reckless driving in January that led to a crash and killed recruiting analyst Chandler LaCroix and, uh, and Georgia offensive lineman Devin Wilcock and, and Carter was arrested in March on reckless and driving and, and street raging, street racing charges related to the incident. Um, and then, uh, another player, a wide receiver, uh, Denylon Morissette, he was arrested for driving under the influence. So, you know, at what point is this, uh, not just individual incidents? When does it become a pattern of behavior? that for whatever reason is not being addressed you know i mean it, it, i just is it is it because of the the character of the kids that kirby is recruiting is it because that they are not getting enough um uh sort of uh advising from uh, from different aspects of the athletic department uh but but something is amiss in Georgia. And I don't think Kirby can sidestep this at all. He needs to address it head on. And, and he's got a really good, uh, sports information department, uh, very smart people there at Georgia, uh, good people at Georgia in the sports information department always treated me really, really well. And, uh, I, I think they will address it head on, but man, at some point, uh, you know this this nonsense in Athens has has got to stop, Matt. Well, the one thing that puzzles me greatly is that after it after the horrible death of two of the members of your football program in a beating accident where they were going 100 plus miles per hour, and another this is just Matt thinking out loud. Is, um, you're not supposed to street race, period, but street racing in an SUV is much worse because of the weight of the vehicle. That just, yeah. that doesn't make sense. And by the way, it's not a Maserati, you know, you're not trying to corner it. Just, not that you should speed in a Maserati, but I think you get my point. There's uh, street racing and the street racing 
in an SUV. But why the people that have committed the the speeding and the traffic violation since don't think back to the people they lost and take their foot off the pedal is absolutely beyond me. It and is, I don't it, know if it's, if it's systemic or not, but one would think that after that horrible first incident that none would follow. Yeah, because uh, all of these uh, young men who have been arrested for reckless driving, they they knew uh, Devin Wilcock. They knew Chandler LaCroix, the recruiting analyst who, who lost her life. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just like, when are you going to learn? And is it systemic? I would argue that the, the, the proof is right in front of us. Right, five, five Georgia players since January have been arrested, four on reckless driving charges, and you know two last week. It's like when is enough enough? Uh, and and I I would think that Kirby will come out and say, all right, we're going to have a zero tolerance policy, or he's going to he's going to come out and 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 do something to address this uh, this this this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would call it a systemic problem, you know, uh, and, and it's it, – it, I don't know, Matt. I, I've actually been thinking about this, and I, I know we need to go to break because we got Brando coming up here. But this isn't the first time a team that wins a national championship or, in George's case, back-to-back national championship, they end up having issues with the law. Now, why is that? I would argue that there there is a sense of entitlement that you get when you are a young person and everybody is telling you how great you are and everybody wants your autograph, everybody wants your picture and you're young and you're strong and 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 everything is going for you and you, you just think nothing can go against you and then this nonsense happens, you know. I, I I do think that that they need to be sort of, you know, brought back to earth a little bit. Yes, you won back to back national championships, and that is great. What you did on the field is amazing, and the work you put in was incredibly impressive. But you need to remember that you are still a member of society. And we have rules and we have laws. And when you break those rules, you break those laws. There are consequences, whether or not you're a two time national championship winner or not. So that, that, I mean, that, that to me, Matt, again, this isn't the first time we have gone down this path with a national championship winning team. Well, and, and part of this, and I'm sure Kirby would do this or any other coach in a similar situation, God forbid. Is, uh, you need to emphasize the rules of society, but you also need to realize that 24 seven, you've got a big UGA logo stamped on your forehead and you better represent. Um, and if I'm a coach, that's one of the ways I'm going to approach it as well, because, uh, you're not just risking your own life. Um, you're risking the logo of, uh, University of Georgia. Uh, a lot of pride, uh, is, is involved in that. You better represent. Uh, in addition to the fact that it's just dumb. All right. Um, we might get a comment or two with uh, Tim Brando concerning this, but definitely going to talk about SEC Media Days. Continue the Wednesday, the hump.
Thursday edition of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar. Fiori, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 94. Tonight's low, 74. Similar weather tomorrow, partly sunny, scattered showers and storms by afternoon. The high also 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Max Holter, Lars Anderson, Justin Jones is at the controls and joining us now from Fox Sports, the one and only Tim Brando. Tim, how's your golf game? It's actually not bad. Thank you, Matt. Great to be with both of you. Appreciate it. Uh, SEC Media Day is on the horizon next Monday. Uh, Tim, if you're Greg Sankey, when you walk to that podium, what are some of the issues you're going to address, and will there be solutions involved? I'm going to guess, and this is just a guess, okay, that he's going to go big picture uh, discussing things uh, well beyond just the Southeastern Conference, but also uh, about the future with the CFP and, uh, you know, the upcoming meetings with other commissioners uh, probably present a um, far more collegial approach to his um, contemporaries at the other conferences that are dealing with some of the same uh, issues that the sport um, is, is no doubt a hot topic with this time of year. Uh, that being, of course, the future of NIL and, and the transfer portal and what can be done, uh, to nationalize, uh, those two aspects that are really to some extent setting the sport on its ear at this stage. Um, my, you know, I think that the scheduling issue is something that will, uh, being put well behind them. I think that he wants to get away from that. They, we got, we know that it's going to be eight games this year. What they're going to do with that, you know, from a, uh, you know, from a long-term standpoint, he, he may discuss that a little, but, uh, my guess is it'll be a, a much more big picture, uh, 
snapshot that he will be discussing. And obviously, just uh, he he loves to use it as any as any conference commissioner would. Uh, you 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 use the platform of your media days uh, to celebrate the success that the conference has had, and that's been in, incredible. You know, with what what LSU's women did in, in women's basketball, what they did in baseball, and what the conference in general has succeeded in these last few years is just uh, magnificent to go along, of course, with the Georgia National Championship in college football a year ago and to have hoisted that many crystals uh, over the last uh, 15 years, decade and a half's worth of dominance, and even more than that, really, if you want to go all the way back to 1998, the first year of the BCS. So I, I suspect that that'll be it. All right, Tim, I'm going to... Uh... Just uh, give you an open platform here. Uh, oh. Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern, the, uh, the 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 scandal that got him fired. Just your. We've been talking about it now for you know three days. Um, what is your assessment and analysis of everything that has transpired at Northwestern since uh, really last Friday uh, when the president of the school um, announced that uh, that that Fitzgerald would be suspended for two weeks in July? Oh, my, what a horrible suspension that was. And then r- realizing that he has... <laughs> Using the exact same information he had on Monday, although now it was revealed by the Northwestern student newspaper, he fires, uh, he fires Fitzgerald. Um, and, and, and include in your answer, should the Northwestern president be fired? Without a doubt. <laughs> I can answer that one quickly. I can answer that one quickly. Uh, you know, if, if you want to say that, um, uh, there was, and, and, and anybody can say this, and again, this is from distance, okay? And my posture on this, if you follow me on social media, is that I'm going to need a little more, uh, I'm going to need a little more information and certainly another source besides the student newspaper as my only source for what really went on, okay? And to this point, we've not gotten it. And at the very least, if the president was going to make such a about face from Friday to Monday, you would have thought there could have been or would have been some transparency as to why that decision was made. So we need more details and there are no details coming. And I gather based on, and this is just, uh, and, and, and listen, full disclosure, like many in the media that have had, uh, a long-standing relationship with with Fitzgerald. Uh, I like the man. I like him a lot. Uh, he's been um, one of the most accommodating and enjoyable uh, breaths of fresh air that college football's had uh, in the last, really going back to his playing days, three decades. Uh, from that incredible 95 season when he was the captain of that team that went to the Rose Bowl that played for uh, coach Barnett uh, to the time that he became an assistant coach and then moved on to become a head coach at Northwestern. Very few men, uh, very few coaches could have done at that school what he's done. Now it's been a little bit more of a of a rocky road, uh, roller coaster ride the last handful of years. 
which no doubt about it figures into the equation here. They only won three games uh, two years ago, only won the one game last year, which makes this uh, obviously easier for uh, the school to dissolve their relationship because of that. I mean, that's always the case, no matter if it's uh, Northwestern or, or if it's, uh, you know, name that school, Jacksonville State. Okay, if the coach is losing, it's easier to get rid of him than if he's uh, if he's not. But uh, more than anything else, Lars, what I want is to see some justification for the, the, the difference in penalties. Okay, and it didn't take long for Fitzgerald to hire some very high-end attorneys and a lawsuit forthcoming that will be very ugly, no doubt about it, but will force the president and the institution to divulge what the problems specifically with Fitzgerald are. Uh, I, I, I certainly do not condone what's been reported. And, it, and if what's been reported uh, is accurate, or at least mostly accurate, I, I certainly would concur that he should have known about it and he should be fired. But none of that's been <laughs> none of that's been brought forth. Okay, you'd have a better chance of getting news from the Kremlin, the former Kremlin, <laughs> than you would Northwestern about what went on here. So, you know, I will reserve any judgment uh, as to the uh, potential guilt or innocence of Fitzgerald until we know more. But this is sadly, though, another example of what's happening, regardless of. Uh, uh, your images and impressions of academia and athletics and the role the two can play when in concert uh, in the culture uh, and the times that we are living in today, where if a player or uh, a small group of players uh, can say whatever they want to say, and there's nothing that anyone can do about it in terms of defending themselves, and in this case, it appears that Fitzgerald did not have um, either the time or the opportunity uh, to defend, you know, himself and his knowledge of the the alleged transgressions that took place. It's just sad for college football. It's 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 ugly for everybody. Uh, it's well noted if you talk to anyone close to the Northwestern program, they've had a push and pull situation. Uh, with their academic and their athletic side for quite some time. Since they moved uh, into the new facilities and all of the money that was spent for that facility to be what it is and the concentration level on academics uh, and athletics has been stressed as it relates to Northwestern being a team that would compete at the highest level, even for Big Ten championships, which, to his credit, he did. He took his team to uh Big Ten championship games in the last five years. Um, and uh, that's my point. I, I said to someone on Twitter who was giving me a hard time when I said what I did about being remaining neutral on it, <laughs> I said, if you think that this is the first time that a school newspaper has been anti-athletics, then you're more naive uh, than I ever thought. Uh, so I got to have more. I got to have more than that uh, to work with. I, I read with some uh, interest what Chris Vanini wrote in The Athletic 
I have a lot of respect for Vanini. Uh, and when I read it, I also talked to a few of my friends that I have up there, contacts that I have, uh, a former coach of one of the players uh, in at Northwestern is a, is a man from Ohio that I know, and um, and 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 the uh, reaction I got there was uh, this was um, this was this was a classic case of uh, an individual player who had it in for the coach who was ready to, to 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 bring some information that he thought could make a difference, and apparently uh, with this administration it has. Now, I don't know that that's true, but I do know that I got it from a, a resource that I'm, uh, that I'm confident in. And, uh, we'll see. There, there are all different kinds of sides to this story. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say with any level of, uh, concrete knowledge that one, one view of this is right over the other because I, I wouldn't know. But I do know this. It's, it, it smacks of all of the, negative things that we hear about intercollegiate athletics and the uh, inability of some schools to have both athletics and academics live in harmony in today's um, tumultuous times. Bye, Tim. Let's talk some football. Can we do that? <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about the SEC and um, do you expect anything earth-shattering from Nick Saban? Are we going to find out who the starting quarterback is? Just take a look at maybe just the top two teams in, in the East and the West. Well, Matt, I, 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 no, I don't think you're going to find anything out about quarterback. Uh, it's pretty obvious no, to me, I'm though. Uh, I mean, it's obvious to me that you, the, the, the kid from Notre Dame is going to be the guy. I mean... Uh, and and Alabama fans are going to have to come to terms with the fact that a young man that was not going to be able to start at Notre Dame is going to be the starter at Alabama. Uh, that's that's my that's my thought on that. Uh, as it relates to uh, the other top teams, uh, Alabama's got a lot of company. Uh, and it's not just Georgia, uh, and Georgia's got uh, a, a schedule that is a national embarrassment. Uh, it, it's weaker than some of Alabama's have been in, in recent years. Alabama's a lot more difficult than Georgia's, uh, as is LSU's. Uh, but I think those two are the primary uh, contenders to Georgia. And if you're, you know, people are throwing around A uh, and M a lot these days. Uh, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to weigh in on A and M being able to turn that baby around just yet. Until I, I I see something more uh, from their quarterback position uh, with regard to what Petrino's going to do and how how the, those two guys Jimbo Fisher an offensive minded coach and Bobby Petrino uh, an offensive minded coach can cohabitate uh, that that's that's really going to be a fun one to watch through the course of the regular season is just how much rope will uh, Jimbo give Petrino. And uh, how long will those two uh, be copacetic, so to speak? Which, in my mind, will be um, a, an interesting sidebar story through the course of the year. Uh, Georgia will not be challenged unless it's by Tennessee. And, and I don't mean Tennessee Martin. I mean Tennessee. That schedule is pathetic. 
and it will be brought up over and over and over again. So uh, just because Alabama fans used to get pissed off at me about talking about their their week non-conference schedule, it it won't be anything like what I say about the week non-conference schedule Georgia's play. Timmy, can you hang through a break? we got to pay Lars. Sure. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be here for you. All right. Uh, more questions for Fox Sports' Tim Brando on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Samsung, Union Home Mortgage. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Schools want, and they, they want to have as many teams bowl eligible as possible. I, I, I think that's, um, that's, mis, that's misguided. It's fool's gold. Uh, an extra conference game this year especially would be beneficial because uh, there are so many teams that are, in my in my mind, very close to one another, uh, and uh, it's, it's very similar, I think, to the balance that the Big Twelve has. Uh, where you know, if you think you've got a gimme on your schedule, there, there's there's really not many gimmies out there. Uh, that's that's true in, in that league at one level, and I, I, I certainly think it's true in the SEC uh, because those teams are going to be a lot better. Last year, I thought the SEC struggled in the middle, that the teams in the middle of the league were not that good. I think this year, all those all those problems have been addressed, and they're going to get exponentially better. And Auburn's a great example of that. They may be the, the spotlight team for a, a program that uh, has not been playing up to its level that, that I think gets a quick fix. Um, seven wins, I think, uh, potentially is there for Auburn this year. Tim, you mentioned uh, uh, Brian Kelly, and uh, I first met Brian when he was uh, leading Grand Valley State to uh, back-to-back <laughs> national titles in 2002 and 2003. I remember uh, going out to uh, – Gosh, I even forget where Grand Valley State's located, somewhere in Michigan. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I went and sat in his tiny little office, his windowless office there. And uh, and even then, you know, you could tell that he was going places. What what in particular? I was wondering if you could just dig a little deeper into to Brian, since he, you know, he's right in your backyard there at LSU. Mm-hmm. And just about what makes him so successful. I mean, I certainly didn't think LSU would be as good as they were last year. Uh, and is LSU sort of poised once Nick Saban retires? Is LSU poised to become the, the dominant team in, in, in this part of the SEC? Listen, uh, regardless of wherever Nick, wherever Nick decides to 
uh, move on with with his life and get away from coaching, which I don't know if that's within five years or two years. I have no idea. Uh, I suspect that he wants to get another national championship to eclipse Bear Bryant at Bama and to get to eight overall national titles, uh, seven of those being at Alabama. Um, but but say I'm wrong and he stays another three or four years. I think LSU's here to stay with Brian Kelly because Brian gets he gets how today's game is is done. He embraces the portal. He embraces NIL uh, in a way that most his age do not. Um, Nick says all the right things, but I'm here to tell you he does not embrace. It, okay, he says what he has to say. But even now, he's beginning to contradict himself because uh, he wants to do what's in the best interest of his team winning. Like, like for instance, the scheduling issue. Uh, he, he was suddenly okay with eight after he had been a proponent for nine for probably a decade. Well, the reason for that was he saw who he was going to have to play, and he was going to have to play all three, Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. And he said, well, I think eight's fine. <laughs> uh the reality is Brian is a forward-thinking, uh, amongst, um, among those in the 60-plus category, I would classify him as a bit of a progressive, that he embraces new thoughts and new ideas. And if someone says, hey, you maybe need to improve upon this uh, and, and look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I've got a problem here. I need to address it. He had to do that two or three times at Notre Dame. He did. Uh, he had several incidents, uh, one on the practice field where someone was, was uh, sadly killed. And it, it drew all kinds of negative press for the program and for him specifically. Uh, there were other incidents revolving, revolving around discipline and that maybe he was too hard on players, publicly so. Uh, and he had to address those. And he did. And I thought that it was very evident that he could be criticized and he could then look at himself in the mirror and say, okay, how do I make myself better at this? And each time he came out on top. So when he was hired, I thought it was a magnificent hire at LSU. That was not shared, by the way, by a number of people in my own state. It wasn't quite as bad as the reaction to Nick Saban's hiring because people really didn't know him from Michigan State. But people did know uh, Brian and a lot of media pundits, Lars, many of whom are friends of yours and mine, said they could not see this Irishman from the Midwest connecting to the Bayou lifestyle. How many times did you hear that? Oh, I just don't think that's going to work. If you think that's not going to work, then you don't know Brian Kelly. How he's able to adjust and adapt to the environment that he finds himself in uh, is pretty amazing. And of course, when he had the gaff at the basketball game and came out with the uh, uh, bulky southern accent, he got hammered over that. And he he owned it. He managed it. And uh, through the first season, even after the embarrassment of the performance against Florida State, he uh, survived in advance, so to speak. Right. That's the thing about him. He, he's one of those guys that only gets better with time, like a fine wine. And, and, and I'd like to think uh, those of us that are in the, our retirement age category all feel like we can get better 
and I admire that quality in him. Um, and I think that's the reason why he's going to be very successful there. And he knows what's missing from his resume and uh, his, his eyes on the prize. And I, I suspect that I said this when he was hired. I think within five years, he'll win a national championship. I still believe that. I agree. All right, Tim. Uh, our time is up. We thank you for yours. That's what the great Jim Fire said. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, God, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Timbo. Go ahead and golf call. Golf ball. You, you got it, fellas. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Timmy. Uh, you always get some good stuff out of Tim Brando. Hey, when we get back, we're going to wrap up this Wednesday edition of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 94, tonight's low 74. Similar weather tomorrow, partly sunny, scattered showers and storms. By afternoon, the high also 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Wow, has this show ever flown by? Thank you, Tim Brando and Todd Jones. Uh, it's two of the more outstanding interviews we've done here in quite some time, Mark. Yeah, uh, a lot of interesting things from Tim for sure. And, uh, you know, I was particularly interested in what he had to say about Brian Kelly, um, cause he knows Brian very well. And, and, um, you know, just sort of what makes him, uh, as successful as he has been. Because you remember, Matt, when, when Brian announced that he was leaving Notre Dame, after guiding Notre Dame to an 11 and 1 record and taking the job at LSU, it was a bit of a head scratcher at the time. And like, okay, what kind of fit is this going to be? And then, you know, the, 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 the fake Cajun accent, the, the weird, weird videos with dancing with players. And we, we all thought, oh, this is a, this is a fish out of water here. And then suddenly he, in season one, uh, <laughs> wins the division title, beats Alabama. I mean, it, it, it was really, uh, something, uh, that, that certainly I didn't see coming. And he's right. I mean, the, the quarterback situation at LSU is as good as any in, in the country. 
and um, they got a lot of guys returning. He patched up some holes with uh, the transfer portal, another strong recruiting class. Um, but, uh, and, uh, you know, he, he's going to be great. And then, uh, or he's going to be do, he's going to do just fine. I, I shouldn't say he's going to be great, but he, he'll do just fine. And, and I think that is a team that, that Alabama and Nick Saban need to be, uh, worried about. And that's an obvious statement, um, this coming year. And, and Todd Jones, uh, again, I thought he just gave magnificent advice, uh, among many other things, and, and, and magnificent advice to, to parents who have children who are uh, playing sports that if they're, you know, if they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, don't just specialize in one sport. Play as many sports as possible. Uh, develop as uh, as many strengths as possible in 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 the different sports. Uh, hand-eye coordination, using different muscles, hand-eye foot coordination. If you're playing soccer, uh, and this was hammered home to me too by, as I mentioned, Bruce Arians and and other NFL coaches who I've talked to, uh, in that the advice that they consistently give is play multiple sports when you're young. And then once you get to 16, 17 years old, that's when you really should focus in on one sport because uh, the majority, the vast, vast majority of professional athletes, Matt, were multi-sport guys all the way through high school. Yeah, and I still think that's the best way. Uh, so, uh, really big thanks to uh, Todd and, and to Tim both for their participation. Uh, story we didn't touch on, and we will as we roll out here, and I don't know, it's below the fold, but did you see where uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth had bought part of Leeds United, the soccer team? I did not see that, but uh, yeah, that was it, it's all a part of that huge financial conglomerate which uh, owns the 49ers, but I guess there's a leg of it that has soccer investments. And Beath and JT are now minority owners in Leeds United. So that's, that's just one of those things to throw out there. If we were in Des Moines, Iowa, it wouldn't be a big deal. But because JT is a PGA favorite and played at the University of Alabama, I thought that was pretty cool. Another, well, yeah, they, they also, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Spieth, uh, JT, and Ricky Fowler and their significant others, their wives, they all went to to out uh, for a day in London. Uh, they took in Wimbledon. And, uh, and JT, wow, look, he was, uh, Natalie attired, uh, in an all white suit. And, uh, and then they all went out to a London pub and, uh, had a good time. I mean, don't you just get, don't you just feel like Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, and Jordan Spieth, they just, they enjoy life. They, I mean, I know they work hard at golf. But they also know how to have fun in a responsible way. And now that they're on the other side of the pond for two weeks of, of playing golf in Britain, uh, both the, you know, the, the Scottish Open and then the, the British Open, um, 
they're they're just they're they're taking in the sights and, and they're they're having a, a good time and and you can tell that they they just uh, they're all roughly the same age. They're incredibly wealthy. They're famous around the world. Uh, you know, just it, it's just they, they got they got life right by the tail. You know, they just uh, I, I love the fact that you see. Uh, the, the, this, these three relatively young guys, uh, well, they are young guys. These three guys just having so much fun, uh, and they're not afraid to, you know, share that on social media. Yeah, well, you know, it makes me feel like, man, um, one of the seven, eight, it's Hindu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wouldn't you like to be in their shoes? But yeah. actually, I would. I'm a very, very blessed man, and I love what uh, what my life is right now. All right, Lars, uh, I guess we got to hightail it out of here and uh, make way for uh, our show that follows there on Tide 100.9. And um, they probably ought to line up the phones for him, so that's a good thing. Uh, have a great day, Lars. See ya. All right. See you, everybody. Be safe. This should get.